Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Ben, and in this episode of the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast, we're talking to a pit master who has the best mustache in barbecue and his wife who keeps it so immaculately groomed. Hey family, I hope you're well wherever you are and you got that thin blue smoke rolling. Now in this episode, we have the dynamic duo behind Bluebird Kitchen and Smokehouse with us. Of course, I'm talking about Jim and Katie Osborne. They've got a fantastic barbecue joint out in Warwick and are the recent grand champion winners at Mackay Barbecue and Beer Festival. Now before we do bring them in here, I do have a couple of announcements that I need to run by you first. Starting with... Welcoming our podcast partner for this episode, Jagged Woodfired. If you're out there and you're looking for a new barbecue smoker or grill, check them out. They've got their smoker ovens, they've got their gravity-fed cabinets, they've got custom asado jobs and custom kitchen fit-outs as well. So check them out. They're based out of WA, but shipping nationwide. Do check them out. They're beautiful people. They do great stuff. Now, if you're just at the beginning of your journey, head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com and pick up a copy of our free ebook, The Beginner's Guide to Real Barbecue. In that book, you're going to find everything you need to know to go from zero to hero in the backyard and cook some really delicious, beautiful barbecue meals, totally free and available on smokinghotconfessions.com. Now, big welcome today to everybody who's joining us in the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue community over on Facebook. It's our little Facebook group. We record these podcasts live in that group so that the people in our group can put questions and comments and interact with our guests live. And it's also just a great place where we just hang out and talk about barbecue. All the guff is left at the door. And that's kind of nice in this uh, modern world of social media to just have a group that is only about the thing that it's supposed to be about. <laughs> Now, if you're watching this later on on YouTube, do give us a thumbs up, a subscribe, and hit that little notification bell. If you're watching it on Facebook, it's all about the likes, the shares, and the comments. Over on Instagram, we love those cute little love hearts. Give us a comment and uh, and follow us as well. And if you're listening to this on a podcasting app, a five-star rating and review goes a long way to help drive us up the charts. But I think that's probably about all you need to hear out of me. Let's get Jim and Katie in here. This is the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast with your host, Ben Arnott. How long has it been since your last confession? Jim and Katie, welcome to the show. It's great to have you here. Hey, Ben. Thanks for having us. Anytime, anytime. So tell me, what was the last... Well, actually, you own a barbecue joint, so I'm assuming you probably don't really barbecue for yourself, but if what was the last thing that you barbecued at home for your family dinner? Oh, uh, I did some, like, salmon last weekend, I think. That was the last thing we did um, on my 1986 kettle, so that was fun. Beautiful. Tell us a bit about the salmon. How did you do it? Uh, I actually did, like, a yellow curry thing. Just coals to one side, salmon on the other side in a, in a foil pan. Uh, kind of roasted it off initially with the charcoal. And then put a yellow curry, like a coconut-based yellow curry over the top of it and then finished it off. It was really good. It worked out really well. It's kind yeah, that of sounds a delicious. Of yeah. Yeah, great. And is, is salmon one of your favorite things to barbecue or do you have a particular, <laughs> like, a, like a beef rib or a pork rib? Like what's your favorite thing to barbecue and eat? Yeah, look, I, I think <laughs> salmon's more Katie's favorite thing for me to barbecue. But um, <laughs> I, I do, I really enjoy cooking pork ribs. Always have. They're they're one of those things that if you just get them really right, they're just so good. 
And do you do you follow the the three two one method for those ribs, or do you have another way that you like to do them? No, no. Uh, look, uh, I re- purchasing a drum a few years back just changed it all for me. Now it's like a 45, 45 and then like ten minutes glaze, and that's about it. <laughs> oh, okay. So you do the the turn and burn of the of the gateway drum guys? Yeah, it's it's pretty quick. Like I, that, I think that's another reason I really like them because I can get them done in about like max two hours, so you can kind of just bang, bing bang boom. Uh, but yeah, no, I really enjoy I really enjoy cooking on the drums because predominantly we cook on an offset at work, so all week I'll be on an offset. So when I get home on the weekends, I kind of like to mix it up, I suppose. So yeah, the drums have been they're, they're one of my favorite cookers. So was it just the just the time saving that drew you to the drums or is there like a significant flavor difference that you find between say your 1986 kettle or your offsets and your drum? Yeah, look, I, I think I like the versatility of the drums because of the direct, like, because of the direct heat there, it's a little bit more, uh, it's a little bit more versatile in what you can do with it. Like uh, you can say, Drop the drop the rack down a bit closer to the coals and do some lamb on there, or you could hang something in them. There's there's a lot of different kind of cooking methods there that you can use within the one smoker, and I think I really like that. Yeah, that sounds great. Very flexible and adaptable, and very easy for competitions too. You just pick it up one person and throw it in the back of the ute, and off you go. Yeah, that's been a big, that's been a really big advantage. Uh, we really like at the moment we take two drums and a pellet to comp. Uh, but yeah, just having everything really light and easy to go into the trailers, it's just just makes life so much easier, and and you don't feel so worn out by the end of it all. Yeah, that's always a big part of it as well. I know when I was competing, it was a four-man job to get the offset out of the backyard, yeah. down to the street, into the trailer, and then get it home again. And I think that the uh, the last time I took it out for a competition, it just lived hidden in the bushes in the front yard for about three months before I could get four guys together to uh, to, to, to get around to get it back in the backyard again. Uh, absolutely. We've definitely had those days. Earlier on when we, were, we used to have... Um, uh, 20 inch bullet head creek that we used to bring to comp and like I love that cooker it's so great but it still weighed 350 kilos so every time you're trying to get on or off the trailer it was just backbreaking so yeah we just we tried to switch to something that's a bit more practical now and that be more versatile as well as we we're saying the drum really gives you a few more options in terms especially if you've got like uh, a couple of different cooking space spaces it just allows you to kind of have different temperature zones have a bit more going on and you're not affecting any of your other product as you as you're cooking yeah right very nice and do you do things like just put one protein in the drum at a time or do you put in like two shelves and then ha- do you find that that changes the way that it cooks because the, the airflow is different or it, uh, yeah, anything like that um, yeah, no, I prefer a single protein. Uh, so, sometimes I might put two, uh, like if, if it's, say, smaller cuts, we might have two off the top of the drum, but predominantly I, I like to not overload them. Like, as you're saying, I don't uh, like, you find that the airflow, because it's such a simple kind of concept, if, if you jam it up too much, it does slow it down a little bit. And I also find that the humidity rises quite high in the drums because it's slow to get out. So too much too much protein in the drum can cause a little bit of problems or it can just lengthen out your cook. 
Oh, that's interesting. I hadn't thought of that, that the extra meat would add more humidity inside the drum, but that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, we've seen it once or twice. Actually, interestingly, just in Mackay, we saw it. Sometimes we'll run a water pan in the drum down the bottom just to deflect a little bit. But because uh, Mackay being up north, it was quite humid there anyway. And we, we, were, we saw like our bark was really struggling to set, um, even though we were running at the normal temperature. So we, we pulled the water pan and then just kept going. And it, yeah, like and it really helps. It's, it's really interesting, like just the... the the kind of day is can often have a lot of effect on your cook. Yeah, I can see that. That's pretty cool stuff, and uh, very interesting that you're able to work that out and then just roll with it on the on the spot. That's really cool. Now, tell me, yeah. how did you get into barbecue? Uh, look, <laughs> it's been a kind of organic growth process for us, I suppose. We we initially opened the restaurant, um, and initially it was just Bluebird Kitchen. So when we opened it. We were aiming to kind of create a modern American restaurant, which we were just looking at America at the time. There was a lot going on over there, a lot of fusion between uh, South America and North America. But uh, we were kind of looking at all the things that were going on over there. And so we started to incorporate those into our menu. But what we noticed over time was that the barbecue elements of our menu were really popular. And um, so the... That initially, I think the first smoker I bought was a, a Bradley. I don't know, you know the like they have those pots. <laughs> the 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 electric cabinets. Yeah, yeah. So I bought that, and um, I think initially I was just smoking some wings in there, and literally all I was trying to do was put some smoke on these wings before we finished them off in a combi oven or something, and. Um, uh, but we just found it got more and more popular and we thought, oh, this is so inefficient. Like, we really need a better way to do it. And uh, so eventually we invested in the uh, Bullet Keg Creek smoker and Craig built one for us, which um, at the time we thought, man, this thing's huge. Like, we will never go up from this. It was 20 inches and we thought, man, how will it, like, this is crazy. Why, like, why would we get such a big smoker? And uh, It felt like a gamble. Yeah, it really felt like a gamble. I mean, you really thought, oh, I don't hope this kind of goes. But we started doing briskets in it. And I'm sure that early on, I'm sure they were rubbish, but people really enjoyed them. <laughs> and um, and so I think about a year after ordering that, we, we ended up ordering a, like a 30-inch trailer, which is, and then, and then we ordered a 36-inch offset just for the shop. So it really, it really kind of just rolled it kept going and going and then we changed the name from just being Bluebird Kitchen to Bluebird Kitchen and Smokehouse because it kind of just made sense. Um, in the middle of all that, just after we'd ordered the first smoker from Craig, we went to our first barbecue comp, I think it was in Brisbane. 2017. Yeah, 2017 we went to that Brisbane comp, which was a great comp. Like it was, an, it was probably just one of the best ones to start out at and I remember uh, on one side of us, we had Big Smoke, uh, so Dan Barrett, and um, on the other side of us, we had the Smoking Jokers. And at the time, that, that was one, two in the country. And there, and there <laughs> and we, we are. Well, and we're in the middle of this. No idea. First time. No idea. <laughs> no idea who they were. Like, nothing. Yeah, and, um, but they were really nice. Both both guys on both sides were really, really nice, and they were really friendly. And um, and we learned a bit that day. I think we got one call in land, and we were so stoked with that. Just, just that was that was amazing. Um, 
And uh, then we went away and we thought, oh, it's fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> like let's put some more time into it. So it just kept growing after that. Uh, we got really lucky. Um, I think the next comp we did was in Toowoomba, and uh, all the really big guys were in. Invitational. Uh, at the Invitational, and so it was a lot more smaller teams, and we were lucky enough to come away with an RGC in our <laughs> second comp, <laughs> and uh, that really inspired us to just get, get into it even more, I think, and so, the, as I said, like, it's just kind of grown organically for us, it, the demand of it at the restaurant is kind of driven, but then the the enjoyment of the comps and stuff is also really enjoyed, like driven us to become more and more involved in the barbecue community, community as well. So that's been really good. Um, yeah, it just can't kind of keeps getting bigger for us. So we yeah we really enjoy it. Yeah, and so what what was it that 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 initially attracted you to that 2017 Brisbane Barbecue Festival? Like, what sort of pushed you across the line from from cooking at the restaurant to saying, okay, we want to go put our names on the line here? That was actually me. I did that. I uh, <laughs> with absolutely no idea of what we were doing. I honestly thought it was just going to be a fun weekend away without my children. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we honestly had absolutely no idea what we were doing i still remember buying a really cheap gazebo offline and getting really excited that we had a three by six in our backyard trying to see what we were doing we we overthought the whole process we thought we had to justify what we'd done we thought we had to explain full breakdowns of rub recipes we yeah like we've gone from obviously a very commercial cookery element that when you compete as chefs you have to justify what you do and you have to explain in full detail so we've gone into it with that kind of understanding of competitive cooking to not yeah and and it and being really like one dirty approach to, to cooking and, and and an actual appreciation of the food not so much the fine dining element of it so um I think we just went away loving it, but yeah. it, it was, in all honesty, a complete and utter fluke. I don't, we were out at breakfast one morning and just thought, hey, this looks like fun, let's just do this, and then all of a sudden we've done it. Yeah, yeah we were blown away, <laughs> I think there was about 50 teams at that time. And, um, that was a big one, yeah. It, yeah. Because there was Hillbilly Wes, he came up and he yeah, did a yeah. huge demo about building um, pizza and cinder blocks. And Weber had a huge stall, and it was this whole other world that we just didn't even really know existed. It, I think it was still fairly early in Queensland terms for competitive barbecue back then, so it, that size size. Yeah, yeah, no, it really, yeah, it really got us into it though, like it just, um, yeah, it was just such a great vibe at that comp. I, the other one is where where the smoke there was dinner was was behind us, and they were so kind to us. They were doing a whole. They were part of the whole whole category that time, and they were. Yeah, look, I can't remember exactly, but they were really cool. They let us watch what they were doing and yeah. stuff. They were just so friendly, and yeah. um, so. One of them was pastries. Yeah, that's right. And, um, <laughs> yeah, no, it was just that it, like. It was, it was like, I, I think everyone has those comps. I know a lot of people like Site Port Mac or something like that, or Bangalore, or something is that comp that really, you know, personifies the barbecue 
uh, kind of scene. But um, yeah, that one was just a really good one for us to be stepping into it. Mark. Yeah, sounds good. And then we fast forward four years and you're picking up grand champion at Mackay. Talk to us about Mackay. Yeah, so, yeah, Mackay, we were, um, yeah, we, we weren't sure we were going to go. And then we thought, oh, no, we just got to have a swing in it. So Penny and I drove up after work on, I think it was the Thursday. We slept in the van about halfway up. On the side of the road. On the side of the road. Next to some train tracks. Yeah. <laughs> in the cold. Um, and then we got up there and um, we were very aware that there's a couple other teams that were really going for it. There was quite a lot of us. Well, there was country boys, uh, Smooth and Smokey and us, that were all would go number one in the country, depending on who GC. And um, so we were all very aware of that. And... Like, uh, geez, both, both those teams, the cooks in them are just so good. I mean, Dave and Dan from Country Boys and Blair are amazing. And then um, Grant and Mitch just both been really cooking so well. So we were very aware that... Um, yeah, and really consistently. Yeah, that um, we would have to have a really good cook if we were going to probably get in with a, a chance. Um, and so... Yeah, we were just, uh, it was a really good comp though. Like we, we just had a great cook that day and um, it really paid out for us. So that was good. <laughs> yeah. And so when they called out your name for the, for, for the GC prize, was that, was that a sense of relief? Like, oh, finally, cause I know you guys had been, you'd been so close for so like the last <laughs> maybe half dozen competitions <laughs> or, or, or did it fire you up and you're like, okay, come on, next one, next one. <laughs> um, like it, it, it's funny. Like I, I often find it a lot of comps. Like it's you, you get so close in a lot of categories and stuff like that. And obviously, Mackay, we had a really good day out because uh, we had uh, three first place, I think. And I think it was when we hit first place in brisket. That was actually the point where I was. I felt a bit vindicated at that point. I suppose like. That was the point, like, when you, I don't know what it is, but when you put all day into cooking something and then and then it hits and the judges like it, there's something really, I don't know, there's just something really nice about it. And um, I, yeah, it, it wasn't even when the G, I actually found the GC a little bit bittersweet. Uh, the Country Boys and Smooth and Smokey was so nice about it. They were so, yeah, there was so good and just being supportive and really happy for us but like i yeah like i i would have been stoked if either of those teams had won as well like genuinely really really stoked and um so you feel for them because they've put the same amount of effort in that they've, they've had the same days you have and uh yeah it just worked out in our favor so there's yeah it's a it's a funny feeling i suppose you really want to see your friends succeed as well but obviously not everyone can on the day yeah i think for us as well like no matter how many trophies we want our goal is always to just get one trophy like yeah. uh, every award ceremony we sit down and be like just need one just need one or make the whole trip worth it and so it was. It was really difficult. I found it really, really difficult, Mackay, actually, because, like Jim was saying, you don't want your friends to not win. No, yeah. And and it was really bittersweet. It, and it didn't, not to belittle that we won, but it was just really 
I felt quite sad for our friends. Like, yeah. It should have been theirs. <laughs> but I'm glad it was ours. If you're looking for your next barbecue smoker or grill, Jagged Woodfire has got what you need. Owners Julianne and Glenn are multiple award-winning barbecue competitors who have even travelled to the US to compete at the World Barbecue Championships in Houston, Texas. Based out of Perth and shipping nationwide, Jagged is one of the largest pit builders in the country and has an ever-growing lineup of meat cooking machinery. Not only do they have their now famous smoker ovens, their incredibly efficient gravity-fed cabinets are proving extremely popular in commercial settings, and they also make some of the most stylish asado grills you're ever going to see. Jagged is also well known for amazingly detailed custom work ranging from backyard designs all the way to installations in commercial kitchens. Proudly Australian designed, owned and manufactured, you can find out more at jaggedwoodfired.com.au spelled J-A-G-R-D. Once again, head to jaggedwoodfired.com.au spelled J-A-G-R-D to learn more. Got a project you'd like to work on with the SHC team? Shoot Ben an email on ben at smokinghotconfessions.com and let's have a conversation. Alrighty, so we're in the second segment now, and this is when I really want to dive into the Bluebird Kitchen and Smokehouse, which uh, looks like where you're uh, recording from today. I can see, I, I, I recognize the, uh, the signage in the background there. Looks very good. Very nice. And so one of the things I'm always interested in is how people come up with the names for their barbecue teams, their barbecue joints, all that sort of stuff. And a, a lot of teams will have, you know, fire or meat or, you know, kind of puns on that sort of stuff. How did you come up with with the name Bluebird? Where did where does the Bluebird fit in? Yeah, look, it's um, it's an interesting one. As I said earlier, it's it's been a real organic growth kind of situation for us. So um, as things uh, when uh, when we initially moved back to Warwick, I was doing some catering, wedding catering and stuff, and um, at the time I just called it Bluebird Kitchen because we didn't have a place or anything like that. Um, so the bluebird came out of, uh, both of us have bluebirds on our, on our chests. Uh, and, uh, we really, we just rolled with it because, um, it's, there's a, there's a really nice kind of connotation around bluebirds. Yeah. So, um, the, like the original origin for us was when we moved overseas. So we lived in Hong Kong for a little patch. Oh, wow. And yeah, so um, well before children, well before this joint, well before anything really. Um, and we got them just before we left. And it's this, this beautiful connection to um, probably like the 40s, the 50s, the sailors. So sailors used to get them on their thumbs, little sparrows or birds, so that uh, when they died, that the birds would take their souls back home. So oh, wow. it was a bit of a, a connection probably to home more than anything for us that meant that no matter where we went or or, or swayed or travelled, that that this particular place would always be our home because we grew up here. We both grew up and worked together. So um, it was, yeah, just a bit of a, a, a homage to coming home and a, a homage to how much our home meant to us. Yeah. 
and then it's just grown and it's just stayed with us. Yeah. Coming back home. Yeah, I think we both we had we both had the bluebirds. We really wanted when we moved back to work because hospitality had always been more my thing than Katie. Katie did a lot of retail prior to us coming back to work, and um, when we started getting back into it, we really wanted it to be something that was ours, not just me, because hospitality had taken a fairly large strain on our relationship because <laughs> I'd been doing 80, 90 hours a week and barely seeing Katie during the Hong Kong period, Melbourne and Brisbane and stuff. And um, uh, yeah, so when we when we came back to hospitality, we really wanted it to be something for us, uh, something that was ours. And so, yeah, the Bluebird, that's kind of where Bluebird grew out of. And then we started the restaurant under the same name, Bluebird Kitchen, and then it's just kind of grown from there. But yeah, we really, we actually kind of really like it. Like, as you say, a lot of, oh, like, I, I mean, look, I like there's so many great puns and stuff. Like, I really enjoy all the, the barbecue names, but um, yeah, like, it's just, like, it really feels like ours, I suppose. So um, yeah, we really, yeah, we still really like our name, actually, it's yeah. good. <laughs> That's a beautiful story. I love that that personal connection. And so, were they were they couple tattoos that you went and got together, or was it purely coincidence that you that, that you happened to meet and you both had a bluebird tattooed? And- we didn't get them at the same time. I got them first. Yeah, yeah. Katie got hers first, and then I got mine later as well. But yeah, like we, uh, yeah, they. I suppose they're kind of a little bit matched, but um, yeah, no, they're they're, uh, they're yeah. different in their own way. Though. Yeah, so, that's right. They're both unique. Yeah. And I think we were kind of in the rockabilly scene a bit back then as well, prior to all of this. So it all connected together. Um, but I think it's, it, I don't know, like our kids are proud that it's Bluebird and, and everyone in town knows that it's Bluebird. And it's, I'm like you, I enjoy the good barbecue puns, but it, I think it's nice to have something that's not connected. Yeah, it's, it's a very unique name. It stands out. Yeah, yeah. And there's no confusing it when they call it at, at award ceremonies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't see three blokes stand up and then point at each other going, was that you or was that me? Was it? Yeah. Oh, 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 it's me? Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's easy. It stands out when they start it. <laughs> yeah, nice, nice. Now, I was doing a bit of reading um, online last night in, in preparation for this, and you actually started the restaurant in 2014. And according to the newspaper article, I found it was Bluebird Kitchen and Bar. So at what point did barbecue start to become involved there? Yeah, so, uh, look, well, as I said, yeah, I think we got the Bradley at about uh, maybe 15 or 16. And so that, that yeah, so that's that was probably really the beginning of the, bar- the barbecue thing for us, even though, like, yeah, like it was a rubbish smoker. <laughs> 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 no offense to to the Bradley company or or any Bradley owners out there. Yeah, no offense to Bradley. Commercially, it wasn't commercially, it was never going to hold up. And um, but yeah, as you're saying, it was really that 2017 that was that was probably the turning point for us. Like that Brisbane comp and uh, that first Bullockhead Creek that we bought, which, yeah, like, it was just such a great little smoker. I think we got lucky in the sense that we we purchased something that was going to make it really possible for us um, if we put some time and effort into it. Uh, so we just got off on the right foot and then, uh, yeah, it really just grew from there. Like, um, we were amazed at, at how 
much people connected to the barbecue in this region. Like they really enjoyed it. Um, and now, like even now, we we have people coming from the Gold Coast, Sunshine Coast, Brisbane, Ipswich, uh, just everywhere every weekend. And you kind of you, like you, the guy at like our front of house and stuff will be talking to people, and it just blows us away that people are willing to make such a big trip just to come and eat barbecue. But it's yeah, I suppose it's just one of those things. People love it, so yeah, we've really we've really embraced it. But yeah, I'd say it's about that 2017 kind of period. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny that you mentioned that that people are willing to sort of sort of uh, shoot out from the Gold Coast. We've got some guests staying in our Airbnb here at the moment, and they just told me yesterday, "Oh, we're we're thinking about heading out to Warwick to go to Bluebird. Do you know Bluebird?" And I was like, "Yeah, I know Bluebird. It's it's definitely <laughs> worth the trip. You should definitely do that." So they they're, they're going to spend six hours in the car on Friday to just to head out for lunch. So yeah, it's crazy. I. It, it does. It blows my mind. So I do front of house and constantly find myself surprised and having to run into the kitchen to be like, oh my God, these people travelled so far. And it, not to put pressure, but it's just, I, I still struggle to believe that we're as big as we are because we're just doing what we do and we do what we love and, and, in no way does the algorithm of what our restaurant is should it work i think as far as restaurants are concerned but because it is an extension of us and because it's an extension of our house or our home it, it seems people love it but yeah I'll, i don't think i'll ever get used to the fact that we're as popular or as big as we are yeah yeah, like uh, being in a regional area, obviously um, our population density out here is much smaller. Uh, so our expectations of how big the restaurant was ever going to get were fairly low. Like we just, um, our, our, our literal goal when we opened Bluebird was just to get a restaurant that would support us for the 13 years of our kids' schooling. <laughs> that, was, that was our genuine goal yeah. when we opened it. We just genuinely wanted to make just get our kids through school and then we would reassess where we were at. But if, if the restaurant could support us through that, then we would be stuck. That was, that was kind of it. So yeah, to have it kind of get to the, the size it is now and and the notoriety that it has is pretty, it's, it's far beyond what we actually expected. So it's been exciting. Yeah, it's it's definitely become one of the most iconic barbecue joints um, on the Australian scene. It's the, the name Bluebird is right up there now with, you know, Barbecue Mafia or uh, Bovine and Swine back when uh, Hillbilly Wes was yeah. still open. So you've, uh, you've you've definitely put Warwick on the map there. Yeah. Now, now uh, one of the things that, that I was really curious about, given that you started um, without smokers, how difficult was it to bring smokers into an existing restaurant? Because I know that a lot of places that are trying to do it in urban areas like the Gold Coast or Brisbane, they find it really hard. How did you guys find it in Warwick? Yeah, look, we were fortunate in the sense that we do have a, a space that isn't uh, too pinned by other businesses. So we, we've got a bit of extra room around us. So that's definitely helped a lot. But there has been, like, it was a really big learning curve. <laughs> it took us a while to really get it right. The thing that we've been really fortunate about is that being regional, we've got, we've got an abattoir in town, which is, meant that we could buy meat directly from, which has made life a lot easier. Um, 
and uh, like wood's very accessible out here. So we've got a wood guy that just drops off bags of wood for us whenever we want them. And he's so fantastic. He, he'll he come at 4 a.m. and just drop a bag off before anyone's here. And, wow. Uh, yeah. 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 He's such a nice dude. And he's so, and it's so reasonably priced. And, um, but like those little things, um, have just made it so much easier to kind of then focus in on actually getting good at it, I suppose. Uh, like, I, I know, like, one of the things that we initially had a pro- problem with was uh, situating the smoker in areas where the smoke wasn't just coming straight back into the restaurant. <laughs> I know, like, early days we had a couple of times we just, smoke yeah, we just had a smoke out in the restaurant, and there's just so much smoke everywhere. And it was partially because we didn't really know what we were doing with the wood. Like we'd be putting pieces in that were too big, or we, or or they were wet, or they were too young, or there's so many elements to it. But as we kind of ticked off the boxes, it got much much easier for us. Um, but yeah, we were we were fortunate that, um, especially the local kind of population, were were really great and supporting us and excited about it. Yeah. Yeah, excited, and um, so they they gave us a bit of time to get it right, I suppose, and just kept coming back, and then um, yeah, eventually it just really hit for us. So it's been good. <laughs> yeah, that's so good. That's so good. I um I know that there's a guy here on on the Gold Coast who got chased out of town by militant vegans wearing gas masks and complaining about uh-huh. the smoke. And uh, so you guys didn't have any any kind of uh, council issues or like uh, no, regarding no, the smoke and that. No. No, council's been really cool about it. Like, we were always very careful to kind of either run things by them or or just make sure that things were safe, I suppose. Like, we've always been aware that obviously it's a live fire, so it's a bit more unpredictable than what cooking with gas or something would be. So um, we've always tried to give ourselves a little bit of a buffer with that and make sure everything's fenced off, make sure everything's uh, fairly clean and tidy but um no like i I think it's just again just being regional everyone's a little bit less uh worried about certain elements they're a bit more um accepting and uh i i don't know like it's just been really really good i i think a really easy example of it is is that a lot of the houses in warwick still have wood fires in them like most so most people would still burn wood like wood in winter here like it's just a normal thing to do whereas probably i would say central brisbane you find a wood fire fairly rare so um uh i think that kind of just that kind of familiarity probably helps a little bit out here yeah Oh, that's so good, guys. So good. Now, you started to mention before that you have a an, an abattoir there local that you're able to go and buy meat directly from. One thing I've noticed is that you have a really dynamic menu. It seems like it changes almost week to week. You've got like different specials on different lunchbox meals and all this sort of stuff. Give us a bit of an idea about your, your menu and the different uh, ways you come up with different ideas for different things. Yeah, we, we've always been really big about trying to keep our menu's fresh and um, seasonal. Seasonal, yeah, seasonal's the best word for it. Uh, that we're very, very fortunate because we deal with John D, which is the local abattoir. They're a fantastic beef company, but um, we also deal with a local butchery called RCP Meats or Rosity Premium Meats, who um, 
these guys are just so good. They if they have something in excess, or if they or if they just something's coming in that week, they'll they'll just text us and say, hey, do you want any of this? It'll be this much per kilo, or um, or do you want some of this or that? And um, they're just so cool in trying to help like help us to do what we want to do, and um, uh, that's made it really easy for us to then. Uh, be a bit more dynamic with our menu. So we, we kind of have a core menu that we usually hold on to for about three months and then we'll and then we'll change sides. A lot of the proteins stay fairly fairly similar, consistent, but we try to keep the sides uh, rotating to keep them interesting. Um, yeah. I think one of the main things from when we first opened that we've carried on to now is that we wanted to stay as local as possible. We had a lot of uh, fantastic farmers around the area and with both vegetables and obviously meat. And so one of the big ethoses for us was that local approach. And so, you know, you won't find fish on the menu because they're not at the coast. So it, the seasonal vegetables and the seasonal sides and the salads and everything are all very much influenced as to what's available now. And because it, it seems silly putting, you know, mangoes on in, in um, June, July because they're just not there. Yeah. So that's always been a big part of it and that's something that's carried on from when we first started to now is that, you know, we really, really pride ourselves in being practical. And, and that approach as well means that we can keep the costings down, which means everyone's happier, you know, it makes it viable. Yeah, I'd, I'd imagine that you'd get a lot more buy-in from the local community as well if you're sourcing your products from their farms or their friends' farms or, you know, like communities like that, everybody knows everybody. So there'd be those connections uh, and those networks in the community there as well, which is great. You're kind of reinforcing and building the the local farming community as well which is fantastic absolutely yeah no it, it's really it's really cool to be able to know some of the people involved within the like within the process, the process. yeah that's right and um it's it's been really good like the other thing about keeping our menu dynamic and doing the lunch specials doing dinner specials is that it keeps it interesting for people that are eating here a couple of times a week or whatever yeah so um it means that we can always we're always doing things that people either haven't seen before or maybe they missed out on last time or whatever but it it seems to be out to mean that people come back in a lot more as well, which is great. Like we, we love, like it's really nice to know the people that come to your restaurant and be able to talk to them and stuff. And um, uh, yeah, so it's it's good in that sense. It's one of the main reasons that we're really dynamic. Um, we also have a very young crew in the kitchen. Like I have a lot of guys that are on apprenticeships or stuff like that. And uh, by doing a lot of different little things like that, it means we can, uh, it means they get like a kind of, they manage to see a lot more while they're in the kitchen and they, they get exposure to a lot more different things and learn different things each week. So we, we, find, we reckon that's quite important too. Yeah, definitely. It's, all, it, it's always great to help expand, uh, you know, opportunities and learnings for, for young people out there as well. So yeah. I did have one more thing that I just have to know. The jerky is that a regular item, or was that a it, is is that a seasonal specialty as well? Because I heard great things about the jerky. Yeah, yeah. The, jer the jerky, the jerky is another one of those things that's really grown for us. Where 
we're currently trying to get it into a more commercial kind of setting where we where we're a bit more consistent with our production of it. Um, it was I, I don't know if you met Zach, but Zach's one of the team members on our team, and Zach and I were joking one day that we'd like to have a moonshine distillery. <laughs> like we really wanted a moonshine distillery, and we thought. And then, then we were like, oh, it would be so expensive to make one of those. And then we were like, do you know what would be a great story is if we started making jerky and then the money from the jerky created this moonshine distillery. And we just, we just thought this would be a really funny story. Like, how good would that be? So we made we made a couple of batches of jerky and we were like, oh, this is this isn't really terrible. We'll we'll sell it. So we started selling a little bit of it, and then um, it just kept going. Like every time we'd sell it, everyone would come in, they'd buy. It. Like no word of a lie, the first couple of batches that we sold <laughs> were in glass jars, glass pickle jars. Like um, we we had with tags that said like. Definitely better than the last batch. Yeah. <laughs> like it was, like it, was, it was purely uh, means to an end. It, it was really, really, it was really wild at the time. And then, um, then we, we, we struck on a recipe, which is the original recipe that we do now. And um, yeah, it really blew up. Like people, now we do, uh, like we'll do 150 bags and it's gone in two hours. Like, and that's wow. Yeah, so that's that's kind of where we're at at this point. So we have to we we're actually just kind of in the process of trying to work out how to escalate it to the next level, I suppose, and make it commercially viable. Because yeah. at the moment, Zach and I just kind of roll it. <laughs> like we'll, we'll just hand cut all this topside on a Monday afternoon or something, and then and then we marinate it, dehydrate it the next day, and then the day after that we. We'll start. Hand yeah, he hand writes all the bags, so it's a really, it's a really obscure process at the moment, and it's not particularly good. But uh, we'll we'll get it to a point where hopefully uh, people can get it more readily, available, like yeah. it'll be more readily available. Yeah, sounds good to me. Some of that artisan uh, jerky is just beautiful stuff. But tell me, did yeah. you end up getting the still? No, no, it kind of. Jerky got too good. Yeah, the, the, yeah, we, yeah, we're so busy with everything else. We never actually, we never even bought a still. Like it's still on the cards, I think. I need to check with Zach whether he wants to. But we, like, ironically now, after maybe like two or three matches, we could definitely buy a still. <laughs> like, and um, it wouldn't be very hard. But uh, yeah, we just haven't really got around to yeah, it. I think I think they probably get. Like mildly irritated if I try to take on another project at yeah. this point. But yeah. Anyway. yeah. So, yeah. Solid. You're listening to the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions podcast with massive barbecue nerd Ben Arnott. Alrighty, so now we're into the third part of the show. This is That's okay. You can drink your coffee. That's You don't need to hide it off camera. That's okay. We're into we're into the third segment of the show now, and it's the uh, it's the lesson for the listeners and the viewers. And you guys were wanting to share some tips to try and help people get into the barbecue competition scene. So I know that you spend a lot of time building all your own trailers. I've seen three or four different ones that you've built and and configured and reconfigured. So I'm I'm keen to hear what your what tips and wisdom you're going to be sharing with us today. Yeah, look, we thought we were talking about it, and we. And we just thought it'd be really, I, I know there's a lot of people out there that are like coming and ahhing about whether to try to do a comp. I know a lot of things like cost put people off doing it. And um, also it's, 
like it can be a bit intimidating putting something that you've made out there for judgment i think um so i, I yeah we just thought it'd be great to try and just put a little bit of advice out there and hopefully it might help someone get involved because the more teams that are involved in the scene it just it, it just makes it better every time like i i think it's it's so great going to comps where there's like you know 30 40 50 teams you really it's just so enjoyable um and it's great seeing new people getting involved as well Mackay was fantastic for that um i was talking to a couple of new teams who Mackay was either their first or second comp and they they were they were really enjoying it and um I was talking to them up there and I ended up giving one team a few tips because they were a little bit disheartened after presentations. They hadn't got a call. Um, and I just said, like, you know, I was just saying to them, like, it, it's it, when you're initially starting out and you've got these teams that have been doing it quite a while now, it, 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 it is very difficult to kind of break into it. But um, one of the first tips that I gave to these guys was I just said, look, maybe don't, like practice all your proteins but really focus in on one protein because if you can get one protein that starts to hit every time you go to a calm then then you can get into a really good rhythm with that protein and then move to the next protein after that don't don't be so worried about winning overalls initially maybe just look at what what do you really enjoy cooking and and what are you good at cooking and then and then just see if you can really nail that in a comp setting and because that'll i think once you start to get those trophies or you just calls or you just start to get consistently higher scores it's it's really motivating to get it happening across all your proteins rather than just that one like you, you but you do see that at comps all the time. I think it happened in Mackay, actually. I think one of another team up in Mackay got maybe first in pork, and it was only their first or second comp, and that was so... It was fantastic for them. They were just over the moon, and obviously it was just something that they could... They were just really comfortable cooking. They really knew what they were doing with it, and so they just nailed it on the day. And, um, like, it can be difficult because as a you know every comp you go to the weather's a bit different or you know like the timelines are a bit different it can really it can be hard to get every protein into like a really good rhythm and then hit everything as you really as you want it to be and um so like one of the yeah one of the first tips that i like well one of the big tips that i gave to these guys is just yeah just find something you really like and really nail that out um, and it, yeah, as you said, like the, the trailer thing for us has been big because we have to travel a lot from Warwick. Like we like, I think we've done 10,000 k's this year for comps and it hasn't even been a big comp year, you know? So, um, we, we've been like, we kind of initially we were working out at Marquee, but we just found it so much. We found the work before the comp and the work after the comp really draining and, and it really took away from anything that we got out of the comp. Like, you know what? I, I mean, exhausted. You're just so Yeah, exhausted. you're so tired. You get back from a comp and then you've got to unpack. You Then you've got to, you've got to air out marquees if they got wet or you've got to, you know, you've got to do all these things and it, and it really detracts from the enjoyment of that comp, I think. So we are always our motivation with the comp trailers has been to try to make something that would make it really streamlined for us. 
and uh, make it really easy for us to go and compete wherever, wherever we were going, if it was Townsville or Mackay, or we're hoping next year we'll be able to get down to Melbourne and down to Sydney and compete down there. So, um, yeah, we'll see. Like, uh, but yeah, it's like... Also, so, like, I think as well, I remember like in our first comp, I uh, had to hunt to find lists because I'm a list maker to try and organise everything that we needed. And I remember seeing somewhere, somewhere they'd use those anti-gravity chairs that like recline all the way back and they're fantastic. And uh, I hunted for them because I was like, that's where we will sleep. We will sleep in these and that'll be wonderful. And it was freezing and it was so uncomfortable. <laughs> and, but I just kind of go, this is not practical. And then everyone moved to swags and then everyone was sleeping in swags and then I was just like, I'm just getting too old for this. Like, this is just not comfortable anymore. So I think one of the motivations as well with the multiple trailers that we've had and the evolution as to where we are now, which will be staying for quite some time, yeah. is that importance of sleep. Like, <laughs> you know, you just need to, we need to be able to shut the doors and, and have a decent sleep. And, and it was, it took us a while to give that particular element actual credit. That if you're exhausted the next morning going into a comp, it's not going to work. And, and it allows us to bring our kids because we're all about family. Yeah, I think that's sort of, I like look in the case on something there where you like, have, just having a very practical setup is, is a really, uh, like is a strong tip. It's super hard to tell someone this is what you need or this is not, you don't need this, you don't need that. Because everyone cooks differently and, everyone has their own kind of routines with their cook and stuff. So you, you want to set yourself up so you're very comfortable in your routine. And as I was saying, like at the very start of the show, like now we cook in, we have all, we have four different smokers that are at most comps now. The third one varies a little bit, but at the moment we've been taking a kettle, two drums and a pellet. And, um, just having all the different cooking spaces and the versatility of all the different cooking spaces is what helped. Oh, I find that's really great for me because then I've got, then I can have one of my drums running at say 350, one of my drums running at 300, my pellets at 250, my Weber's up at like 500, you know, like, and I'm, you know, I'm doing lamb in the Weber. I've got my brisket on a drum. I've got my pork ribs in my other drum. I've got my chicken in my pellet. and. But they, they're all at the temperatures that I want them at, not... It's easy to allocate as well. Like yeah. If you need help and, and sharing the load with, with the other team members, it's easy to go, it's the blue drum. Like, it, it, it removes that need to constantly be bugging you about questions and that fear of leaving the lid off too long or, or those little things that will have that impact to the other products. Yeah, so I think it's one of those ones where... Oh, we just seem to have lost... Jim and Katie there. Hey, hey, we got you back. Hey, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Regional joys. Regional joys at this second in time. No worries, no worries. So you were talking about your trailers and the importance of sleep and uh, and all the rest of that. Yeah, like we, so what we just found was uh, like we start, we got a trailer together. Um, Craig from Bullock helped us out with that and um Initially, we were traveling with an offset on this trailer, and it was basically a basic kitchen that we could work out of when we hit, when we hit site. And we found that really good, but 
Um, it didn't have any kind of ability for us to sleep in it or anything like that. And we, and as Katie was saying, we just found that we were just so tired when we we're getting into a comp, partially because we were working up right up until we're leaving for comp a lot of the time. Um, and so I think uh, then we moved to a 19... 19- uh, 71 Viscount Caravan, which we really loved. Like, it was fantastic. For a short period of time. Short, short period of time. The problem <laughs> with it, yeah. The big problem with it was it, it was very compact. Like, we, we didn't probably have quite enough space in it to work. And so we were finding that it was good. We were getting some sleep. It could sleep four people in there, and that was really good. But we were a little bit uh, – we couldn't get any of the smokers in it either. So yeah. all the smokers had to go in the back of the ute and then we'd tow this caravan. Um, but we found that was a little bit limiting as well. Uh, so our final – Yeah, our final installation has been a uh, toy hauler that we found in a paddock nearby, <laughs> near Warwick. Wow. Yeah. And it was to- – was- the great thing about it was it was totally gutted. It didn't have anything inside it. It just had some solar panels on the roof. So we were like, this would be amazing. And so we just fitted it out the way we wanted it to. We put a kitchen into it. It's got an underbench fridge in it. Um, it's where you keep moving. It's, uh, it's just, yeah, it's been really, really good. We can sleep four people in it. We can comfortably. Yeah, we can do all our prep in it. It's um, the fridge. Yeah, lighting. Yeah. So and then uh, and TV. we can, and we can put all the smokers down the middle of it. So it's an all-in-one for us, and um, it's been it's been pretty game-changing for us in terms of just being able to get to comp and we know where everything is. We know where, what what we need, what, where it'll be. And then we just keep restock after we get back from a comp and it's always ready to go when we want it. So uh, that's been that's been fantastic for us, uh, especially like as I was saying, like we, we're often working right up until like say, I, I've worked until like 10 o'clock on a Friday night, then driven through the night, rolled in at comp the next day and cooked. So. Um, we just found it really um, a lot easier when we have all that stuff in place. So we're not trying to, like, if Katie's going down before me or something like that, there's a lot less set up for her that, and then she doesn't need to worry about things not being there. That's all right. That's all right. It's all good. Yeah, yeah. And and being a big toy hauler too, there'd be nice big wall spaces there for, for Katie to hang those tick charts and, like, uh, tick the things off the list and... Yeah, yeah, there's a whiteboard on the yeah. door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, much easier, much easier. Yeah. We, we found that works really well for us. I, I think everyone's different, though. Like, I, I don't think you need – like, honestly, if it's your first comp, I think a 3 by 3 marquee can get it done for you. It's just about getting everything that you need there in a way that, I don't know, just isn't too disorganized. <laughs> like – get you know get some boxes and put everything where you know they'll be i have toolboxes for all my rubs and sources so like i just have one toolbox that everything goes into before a comp i know where all my rubs are i know where all my sources are i put all my injections into um uh, shaker bottles like the um protein shakers and and then like when I get into comp, I just know where everything is. So it makes it just so much easier to actually get on with everything when you're not constantly 
trying to find something or you're missing something or you're begging another team for something, which we have done before, but (laughs) (laughs) I think we've all done that. Yeah. Well, look, those are some great tips and that's probably a good place for us to start to to, to wrap this up now. So I'm going to throw the studio over to you, give some shout outs, give some thanks, give some praise to people who've helped you out along the way and make sure you tell everybody where they can track down Bluebird Kitchen and Smokehouse. Yeah, no, well, look, we've been really lucky. We've had such great support from, like, a whole lot of guys over the year. I mean, like, in terms of sponsors, uh, John D. Beef has been amazing. Uh, Boss Hog and the Duchess of Pork have been incredible. Uh, Then Heat Beads have been incredibly supportive over the last couple of years by uh, giving us charcoal, but... They're just, they're such a fantastic company. They just really look after us. And then uh, Four Monkeys, uh, Barbecue Rubs, Dan Barrett, he's been incredible. He's given us some major tips over the years and he's he's been really supportive as well. So I'm really grateful to him for the time that he's helped put in for us. And then... um, Rose City Premium Meats. Yeah, as we were talking about earlier, our butchers in town, Rose City Premium Meats, they've, they've been huge in supporting us and then um i suppose the other guys that i'd love to give a shout out to is dan white and the country boys graham stockdale from pit crew and and um as well the primal boys they've always been really great to just hang out with the comp always so friendly and um guys like dean bradley as well he he like he's such a great guy and um he'll you know he was down at the rest he comes down and he'll eat at the restaurant and he yeah. yeah, and like the fact that the community goes out of the way and then they'll always put posts up and so forth like that, it's just means so much to us that they're willing to drive out here, eat our food, enjoy it, thankfully, and then and but then promote it for us and um, put it out there onto the social medias and so forth. And that's just such a big thing. Like, it's just such a big thing for us in terms of just uh, continuing to get out there. There's um, yeah, it's just endless in that thing. And, uh, yeah, like, if people do want to come and visit us, we're in Warwick, um, 130 Parliament Street, and uh, it's Bluebird Kitchen and Smokehouse on most of the social medias if people want to come and follow us and check us out. So, yeah, as it all builds for us, we've just, yeah, it's just been amazing to meet everyone, and um, we're just really grateful that we get to kind of be a part of it all. Yeah, beautiful. There's certainly um, something special when people that are like other people that are prominent in the barbecue scene come to your joint and then love it so much that they're putting photos of your stuff on their feeds as well. So that's that's beautiful how that all ties together there. Well, look, thank you very much for your time. Um, I, I realize that as restaurateurs, you are incredibly busy and uh, and everything's always on the go. So I really appreciate you taking the time out today to come and talk to me in the in the confessional. Thanks for having Thanks us. Thanks for having us. And there you have it, family. That was the one and only Jim and Katie from Bluebird Barbecue Crew. How lovely are those people? They are just salt of the earth people. They're core elements. They're fundamental people on the barbecue scene, and they are absolutely crushing it with their with their barbecue joint out there in Warwick. So do yourself a favor, head out there, check them out, and and just get onto it. It's really good. Um, I'm actually planning my second trip out there very soon. Now, before I let you go today, just to remind you of our announcements from the start there, big thanks once again to our podcast partners, Jagged Woodfine, for coming on board and partnering with us for this episode. 
If you're at the beginning of your journey, head on over to the website, smokinghotconfessions.com. Grab yourself a copy of the free ebook there, The Beginner's Guide to Real Barbecue. Big shout out to everyone who joined us today in the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue community on Facebook and put all those lovely comments and those words of support in there um, as we were recording. And of course, if you're listening to this or watching this later on on the socials, do the things, the thumbs up, the likes, the shares, all that stuff, that really helps us out as well. And that is about all the time we do have for today. So until next time, take care of each other and keep on queuing. Thanks for listening to the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. Head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com for recipes, tips, and Ben's own confessions.